We'll be reading from Galatians chapter 6. You'll want to see it for yourself. It's pretty good. Beginning with verse 11, the translator heading reads, final battle. No, it's final warning and benediction, but that's all I hear in my head. Final battle. What game was that? I can't remember. I don't know. It's all games. (laughs) Final warning and benediction, beginning with verse 11. And as you find your place, it's been said, the book you finish reading is not the same book it was before you read it. The book you finish reading is not the same book it was before you read it. I, I hope for those of us who have been reading Galatians, you would agree. Galatians feels like a different book now. feels like a different book now than, than what, after we have read it. It, it, it means something different maybe you would say it's changed you we see things in it we didn't see before we read it differently we feel differently about the book of Galatians I know many of you would say you have rejoiced in the book of Galatians it's not the same book for I would say for most all of us I hope for all of us it's not the same book we started reading on October 23rd I checked October 23rd 2022 seven months ago the week we broke away from our study of the book of Acts in order to get a better read on and understanding on what was occurring in the storyline that Luke was telling in the book of Acts. We inserted a study of Galatians into the book of Acts in order to better understand what exactly is happening as the news we're reading in the book of Acts, as the news of Jesus was spreading like wildfire in the ancient world. And two Sundays from today, we will restart our study of of Acts right as the Apostle Paul stands trial before like the first ever church court. They are going to rule, decide on the very things we have been reading about in Galatians. Court will be in session when we reinsert ourselves into the book of Acts. And I'm praying, oh, I'm praying that we would be on the right side of that decision. I think we are. I believe you are. But listen, before we get there, the Apostle Paul is not finished yet. If you thought you were going to get a breather and a nice, happy goodbye, <laughs> he's not pulling any punches. He hits his foot on the accelerator as if he couldn't go, drive harder. There's no back and down, no compromise here. And just these last verses, once again, you get the sense that Paul is coming out swinging with some fighting words. These are some fighting words. Would you look with me? Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 11. I'll read, then pray, follow along. Verse, I'm sorry, yes, verse 11. I'll read through verse 16. The Apostle Paul writes, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast 
in your flesh. Verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Verse 16, and as for all who walk by this rule, there's that word, rule. Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. These are the very words of God. Would you pray with me for understanding? Father, Father in heaven, speak to us now is our prayer. Open our hearts and our minds to your way of thinking, your thoughts, your reasoning, your sensibilities. Open our hearts and minds to your truth. Don't, don't leave us here. Don't leave us stuck in our old way of seeing ourselves and perceiving this world and our lives and our friends and our family and our neighbors, even our church, and, and you. Don't leave us here. Renew us, revive us, reform us, change us. And again, we wonder and marvel that you do it all simply through the plain reading and explanation of your book. So meet us here, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, all caps. All caps. Really? That's, really, that's what we're going to do here. Verse 11, see with what large letters, don't you love large all caps? I love all caps. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Or see what large all caps I am typing to you in my email. Here we are at the end of the letter, and although scholars have been debating for at least a thousand years, I think probably close to 2,000 years, of exactly what, what is going on right here. <laughs> is Paul changing fonts? <laughs> right? Is, is, is this Paul taking over for a scribe? Or has he written the whole thing and this is just bigger than the other part? Is he getting lazy, getting tired, getting a little loose with it all? Is it because Paul has bad handwriting? Or eyesight, he's got, he's got poor eyesight, so he's got to write really big. Or crippling arthritis because he's been making tents. We don't know. Any, we don't know for sure. But, but listen, as an aside, this is, if you remember anything about when he says, I write with big letters, all caps, aside, this we do know. This, this we do know that whatever is going on here, regardless, this is evidence that this letter was intended to circulate among the churches. The actual manuscript, the original manuscript where Paul wrote it down is being passed around the region of Galatia in the first century A.D. Paul's, <laughs> and Paul's choice of how the words are printed on the page was part of how he was attempting to communicate. Never considered that yet. This is not an excuse for you to choose Comic Sans at some point. 
and try to make a point. <laughs> Paul says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. We can't, listen, <laughs> we can't see. It's, it's the same font, same size font, whatever they call those points, whatever. Uh, we, we can't see, but we can perceive. We can perceive. We can interpret. And, and, and what we should be interpreting as Paul begins his conclusion, and we are clued off that the letters are getting bigger, that what he says next is very, very, very important. Isn't that what you do when you put it all in caps? All caps. He's shouting at us at the end. He's, he's shouting at us rather than just saying, toodaloo, and you know, tell my friends I said hi. Paul goes down shouting. <laughs> and what is Paul shouting? That's the million-dollar question. What is Paul saying? If I could say it in a way that sounds unfamiliar, hmm, maybe a little unsettling or unexpected, especially as you have finished this book, Galatians, and this book feels different than it did when we first started it, although I'm going to argue that it's been there the entire time, always under the surface, but perhaps not explicitly, just implicitly stated. Same thing as he's been saying since verse 1, chapter 1, but in if I could say it in a different way, a new way. Been saving it since October 23rd. In all caps, in the end, Paul's most primitive letter to some of the very first Christians, here it is. Obey the gospel. Obey the gospel. Obey the gospel. You want a rule to live by? You want a rule to... Obey, you want to know what it is that God has commanded you to do. What is He requiring of us? It just doesn't get any simpler than this. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's impossible on your, by your own efforts. But it doesn't get any purer than this. You want to, you want to make a t-shirt? Obey. Obey the gospel. This is everything that the Apostle Paul has been accusing his opposition of not doing. That's it in a nutshell. This is everything that the Apostle Paul has been accusing his opposition of not doing. Those troublemakers, he called them. Those Judaizers. The, the circumcision party. Just terrible name. Last time I get to make this joke terrible name, the circumcision party, though it would be a good heavy metal band name, but the circumcision party, the band of religious zealots who had been spreading, listen, spreading damning lies. These are damning lies about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, to be a child of God, to ha what it means to have all your sins washed away, all to be set free from the powerful, sinful urges and cravings and nature that has controlled you and mastered you and me and all of us since we were born. This is true of babies, as cute as they are. You, 
and I, we have always been about we. <laughs> In bondage to we. Believing lies, trying with all our might to save ourselves from ourselves, not even fully comprehending that we aren't even our worst enemies. Apart from Christ, we aren't even our worst enemies. Every one of us is an enemy of God. And we're accountable. These troublemakers have been insisting that the only way out of our terrible situation, this feedback loop of like doom, right, was to shape up and take on a list of religious and cultural practices, rules to live by. Rules to live by if you ever wanted God to allow you to live. If you really wanted to live, you had to live by a set of rules and expectations. And along comes Paul. This is what Paul's been saying since the beginning. Along comes Paul at the end of his letter, just about when we are finally ready to concede that we can't be trusted with a list of rules in the first place to live by. In fact, we have never kept a list, any list, not sufficiently, not perfectly, and won't despise despite of our intentions or a New Year's resolution, along comes Paul offering us just, oh man, he's just a couple sentences from getting us out of this thing and going back to Acts. Along comes Paul offering you a rule. A rule. Verse 16, all caps. Look back again. Verse 16. As for all who walk by this rule. A rule. Now listen, I know this, this little passage here, it's really exciting, but there, there, there's a lot of stuff in here. There, there's no need for us to expound anymore upon Paul's read, and he does have a bead on them, his read on the troublemakers. He is simply saying what we already know and have been talking about. They want the Galatians, these troublemakers, this, these, this other group of people who have come in and swooped in behind Paul, they, have, they want the Galatians to be circumcised. You guys, your parents later what that means if you don't know. The Galatians, he, they want the Galatians to be circumcised so that they can feel good about themselves. How weird is that? so that they could be accepted by others and not persecuted. So that they could experience a measure of affirmation. Look at me because look at them. You definitely, listen, if I can make a comment about this whole, that whole part of this text, you definitely get a sense of the insecurity and insecurities. We could use the word of of the bullies right the insecurity insecurity and bullying go hand in hand the troublemakers were intimidating the galatians into complying with their priorities and agenda and what was their agenda no surprise themselves <laughs> themselves 
this is a great commentary. Listen, this is a great commentary on the human propensity to, pers- to want to persuade. You may be in this ca- camp. You are in this camp. We all have this propensity to want to persuade others to think and behave like we want, <laughs> like we want them to think and behave, even in spite of the fact that we don't ourselves think and behave the way we want. That's what Paul's saying. This is hypocrisy. It's a little bit insane, which is Paul's point. Verse 13, look, again, all caps. Remember, all caps. He didn't just write that first one in all caps. That would not make sense. Like, watch, I'm going to write in all caps and then go back. He's still shouting at them. Verse 13, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But we don't really need to talk about this much more. What, what Paul is saying here about them, what Paul is saying here is something that he and Peter say throughout the New Testament. And, and interestingly enough, everywhere he says it explicitly, it's always in the negative, as in stated negatively. Here he's going to state it positively, but it's always stated negatively. Each time Peter or Paul talk about what what we're about to talk about and what Paul's talking about here, it's a reference to God's punishment, as in those who do not obey the gospel will be punished. Those who do not obey the gospel. But then Paul, stating it here positively, verse 16, if you look again, And as for all who walk by this rule, and I'm going to summarize that rule in just one word, the gospel. As for all who walk by this rule, the gospel, peace and mercy be upon them. Here's the blessing stated positively. And upon the Israel of God. Well, we all want that. So then the question becomes, how do we walk by this rule? How do we obey the gospel? Hmm. One last time in Galatians. One rule to rule all the other rules. Like our rule we have for our children to stay on the bricks, right? And not to play in the the landscaping. We got one rule in here as well. One rule to rule us all. Let me show you right from the text. It's all there baked into it in Paul's rule. Three things. Boast in the cross. Take up your cross and walk by the Spirit. Boast in the cross. Take up your cross. Walk by the Spirit. Go back again to verse 14. 14 and 15 is where we're going to live this morning. Verse 14, boast in the cross. Paul says, verse 14, but far be it from me to boast. Except, not, not to not boast, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This word boast, does it, does it not have a negative connotation for us, right? right? Isn't it a bad word to boast, to brag, to talk about yourself, to try to take on credit and to, to earn and, and, and cultivate for yourself glory? So what, what does Paul mean when he says, I'm going to boast, but I'm going to boast in the cross well, if you were to summarize it, you might say, and here, well, let me, let me borrow right from John Piper. Here's his attempt at defining 
boasting, biblically speaking, boasting. I love this. He says, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. You are going to use the word boast. We're go- to obey the gospel is to boast in the cross. This is what he says. Christ is going to be exalted in your boasting. He says, I'm, he said, Paul, uh, John Piper said for himself, I'm going to boast in Christ. I'm, and rejoicing, he writes, doesn't carry the same connotation. That's why Paul doesn't drop, that's why Paul drops this dangerous word on them. Boast. That's why he writes in Romans 5, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. It is as if he wants us to feel. Here's what Paul wants us to feel. Oh, glory is coming. This is boasting in the cross. I am going to be included. John Piper writes, it might in fact rub off on me. I'm going to have it as my mark. As my insignia. It's going to be the uniform I wear. If we had a uniform that we wore as Christians, as followers of Christ, as disciples, it would be the cross. It'd be our insignia. It'd be our mark. That, that's what boasting is. It's Listen, we're only like, depending on how you date this letter and when it happened, we're only like 20, 30 years out from the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is early. The Romans are still crucifying people. The crucifixion, if you are unfamiliar, or maybe you're too familiar, this is a really odd thing to boast in. I'm going to boast in, this is a form of execution for criminals. And it was designed to not only be horrific, it was designed to be shameful. It's not, to say, you know, I've heard people say, it's like, and John Stott said this, I don't know why I would disagree with John Stott, who's a wonderful theologian from the last century that I love, but he would say, you know, it's like, it's like boasting in the electric chair. But it's, but it's not. It's the electric chair. Sounds, that's a good name for a heavy metal band, by the way. <laughs> Trademarked that one. Got it on recording. This is boasting in something that's universally accepted as shameful. But in wearing that as my mark, my uniform it's like wearing an angel's hat it's (laughs) hey i see glory in this this thing that the world sees as foolish and despises and mocks and persecutes I won't boast in me. I won't boast in my achievements. It doesn't matter whether I am circumcised or uncircumcised. And oh, how beautiful Paul has said earlier, neither male or female anymore, Jew or Gentile, 
this thing has been unlocked and unleashed on all people. It doesn't matter that I go to church. It doesn't matter that I was raised as a, in a Christian household. It doesn't matter that I've been baptized. It doesn't matter in many ways uh, that, that I have conducted myself in a godly, respectable, evangelistically minded way. All that matters. All that I have my hope in, my emotional energy, and you might say stability comes from this. The cross of Christ. And that's shorthand. We, gospel shorthand, gospel short, uh, the, the declaration of good news, and then we have the cross of Christ, which is the, oh, the death of Jesus for human sins. But when we say the cross of Christ, we mean even more than that. This is a happy act of the soul, boasting, ascribing glory, drawing attention to, investing, and that's the hard thing, right? You want to boast about your team, knowing that your team may make you look bad? Not this one. I will boast in him. And though it appears foolish and shameful now, my hope, as we sing, rings eternal. Ah, as Paul says, this is why 2 Corinthians, he writes to the Corinthians, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. If, if, if I ever end up in my humble bragging. <laughs> it's in my weaknesses, not my strengths. It's as if Paul was saying, if I had to boast, I'd tell you, it'd be a race to the basement. I'm the chief of sinners, Paul said. I'm acquainted with my conversion. I remember who I once was. And now, now I obey the gospel. This proclamation that Christ has died for my sins. That He is God Himself taking on the human flesh and living and dying and now living forevermore in my place. Eternally. <laughs> to believe the gospel... To believe that is, is to obey that gospel. To, 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 to have faith in that gospel is to obey that gospel. To answer the call of the gospel. The claim of the call. To respond to that message. The news. That truth. All caps. I will boast in the cross. Rather than despising the cross and attempting to earn for myself glory. This isn't, to be clear, <laughs> that in some way, obeying the, just to be clear, obeying the gospel inserts some sort of huge achievement, me achievement, uh, human achievement. Uh, Michael Horton, he writes here, this is good. 
Never confuse Christ's work with our own. There's a lot of talk, he writes, these days about our living the gospel or even being the gospel as if our lives are the good news. Your lives aren't the good news. That's not what we're talking about here. This is what he writes. The gospel isn't what would Jesus do? Now go and do that, right? That's not what we're talking about. When we say obey the gospel, we're talking about boasting. Boasting in Christ. The gospel isn't what would Jesus do? Now go and do that, he writes. The gospel is what has Jesus done? Now believe that. And what does someone that believes that? They emotionally... Spiritually, practically, do everything to communicate to everyone a reveling in, a wearing the uniform marked with an insignia that my only hope is in what Christ has done for me. That He doesn't want my good works Oh, He's created me and saved me that I might please Him by serving Him, but He's not looking for my performance when He's deciding and evaluating and declaring, you are righteous. You are justified. You've been forgiven. All these things Paul has been saying, you've been set free. We magnify Him. We magnify Christ. Not only, that's what Paul's been been saying the whole time, it's not as if we just acknowledge that that's what He has done, but by receiving it and in turn trusting faith and then from the inside out, all caps or very small font, rejoicing, declaring that He and He alone is the one who saves. Paul's been saying it since the very beginning. We're justified by faith, not by works. So that no one can boast. Paul's saying, but I don't mean don't boast. Don't stop boasting, just Everyone's going to boast. The question is, is who are you boasting in? And in what? And that has changed when we respond to the call to obey the gospel. Number two, boast in the cross. Number two, take up your cross. Here you go. Take up your cross. Verse 14. Look with me again. Verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Some theologians call this the co-crucifixion. As He has been crucified and we boast in Him and Him alone and what He has accomplished on the cross at the same time, we take up our cross As Paul said, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What does he mean by that? He means that the old me that lived by the flesh, that loved 
the world, that craved what the world would do, celebrated everything. And when we use the word world in the Bible, we're just talking about everything. He was organized and unorganized religion. (laughs) Everybody's religious. Everybody believes something. Everybody's living according to something. When we say world, we just mean everything opposed in one big lump sum to God. The world turning its back on its creator. I, this is what Paul's saying when he says the world has been crucified to me. All that I wanted, all that I participated in, all that I needed from the world, all that I depended upon from the world, all that defined me, all that consumed me, all of it is now dead to me. What a loaded word Paul uses. Christ crucified. Christ crucified. You want to, you want to talk about my, my life, my experience in this world? He was crucified. What's my experience? The world which has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm dead to the world, Paul says. In other words, I have taken up my cross too. That's what, that's what Jesus offered them. Take up your cross. Take up your cross too. The, the co-crucifixion of fill in the blank with your name. The co-crucifixion of Eric. As Jesus said in Matthew, uh, recorded in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, you want to know what to do? You want, you want to respond to the Gospel. You want a rule to obey the Gospel. I'm going to boast in the cross. I'm going to trust Christ with everything I have, and I'm going to take up my own cross and die to the world, and the world will die to me. As Jesus invites, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. and Take up his cross and follow me. Hmm. This is a hard one. This is a hard one, I think, for us who get the boast in the cross really good. We boast in the cross. Golly, I, lo- I love it. We sing about the cross. We, our name isn't like, you know, Orange Community Church, or I'll make, I'm not going to make fun of any other church, whatever they're their church name is it's baked into our name which is baked into good old hymns we sing like if you caught it this morning and come thou fountain you get sovereign grace we're not really like yeah like our name is in the song no we're like no it's the gospel we love it we boast far be it from us to do anything else but to but to boast in the cross of christ But to take that one step further and realize, me too. That I too must be co-crucified. That with Him into the tomb I go. It's a hard one, I think. Maybe not for you. For me it is. 
I'm a happy failure. <laughs> when I realize I've sinned, I've not made up, measured up to the mark, I've hurt someone else, sinned against you, sinned against the Lord, sinned in my heart all the time, and then I'm wrestling with it, I just keep plugging along, walking in the Spirit, <laughs> happy, not feeling guilty oftentimes. And I know, because I say to myself, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is a call to be like Him. We've been studying it for a couple weeks now. There is a call, Paul says at the end of Galatians, to walk by the Spirit, to, to respond to the work and the presence of the Spirit of God in us, to join Jesus in His crucifixion, take up our cross, deny ourselves of all that this world is offering us. And it's like a buffet. And as soon as we get out of the members meeting, not out of this service, we get out of the members meeting, we're going to walk out and get in line at the buffet. And it's going to be really hard to keep just walking by and say, no thank you, no thank you, no thank you, no thank you. But that's what Paul is saying. I'm boasting in the cross. And I've taken up my cross. I've denied myself. That's what it means to obey the Gospel. That call on our lives. But lastly, lastly, walk by the Spirit. Trust or boast in the cross. Take up your cross and walk by the Spirit. Here, here's what it means to obey the Gospel. The one rule. <laughs> Verse 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. A new creation. Listen, the word there, that new creation, Oh, it is a big word. We're about to talk about this. This new creation. We've been filled and living by faith in the, the presence of God. We're, we're now, as Paul's been instructing us for weeks, walking in the Spirit. We're, we're born again. This, let me give you this word. Born, born again. We're regenerated. We're a new creation. And it's bigger than that. As crazy as born again is. And to be remade. I'm a new person now in Christ. It gets bigger. It means there's a supernatural dimension to your life and to who you are. You're not just natural anymore. You're not just in the flesh. You're walking in the Spirit. There's a supernatural dimension in your life. There's a spiritual dimension to your life. In some ways, I know I've said this for years, that, that Californians in particular, we're really a spiritual kind of people. And there is a sense in which we're all open culturally to this thing. I think it ties all the way back to the surfing culture in the 50s. That's a whole other sermon. But <laughs> and you surfers know what I mean. There is a sense in which we're all spiritual, but listen. You have trusted in Christ. You're boasting in the cross and not in yourself. You, are, you have taken up your cross. Listen, you're supernatural. 
there is a spiritual life. There's a, the Bible paints a picture from death to life. There is a regenerating of your soul, a regenerating of your whole life. You are born again. And some of us would say, we're born again, again. And I would argue, born again, 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 just keep being born again. There's a spiritual element to us. There's a eschatological, a, a last times element to us because in those last days, we're experiencing what will happen after that last day. There is something about you that doesn't fit in this world anymore. That's why you've taken up your cross and you have said no. You've denied yourself and you're following Jesus who has gone out ahead of us. We sang about that too this morning. We sing about it every week. Jesus talks about this being this new creation, this, this life abundant, an abundant life. He talks about it being an eternal life, a life that will not end. Even death itself, the sting has been removed. Even though it hurts now, even though it feels unnatural because it is unnatural, still at the same time, death is not the final word for you who are in Christ. We have been operated on surgically transformed we have a new tra new identity we are in christ we are new a new creation the beginnings of an entire entirely new creation and as we do that we walk in the power this resurrecting power that gives us not only new life, but as we've been hearing week after week for about a month now, not only new life, and I know for many of us we think about the Holy Spirit, and if you've been around a church long enough, you're saying Holy Spirit, you're thinking about spiritual gifts and prophecy and tongues and healings and people passing out as we bump their foreheads or stuff like that. We don't do that, but, but now we see Paul in his most simple primitive. What does it look like? We take up our cross. We pursue the work of the Spirit in us. We stay in step with the Spirit. As the Spirit is pushing and moving us and willing us forward, we walk with the Spirit. We walk in step with the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit. It's Him and what He does in us that gives us the power to please Him, which is what we saw again from deeds of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit. And listen, lastly, listen, verse 16. Go back to that rule one more time. There's a wonderful promise here. Both a, a command, a calling for us, a claim on us, but a promise. Paul writes, and as for all who walk by this rule, and what's the rule? The Gospel. All who walk by this rule who obey the Gospel may peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Again, he's, if you forgot, this is all in caps. <laughs> and when he writes, and upon the Israel of God, this is controversial as well. He's talking about all who are God's people, all who are God's children. And we might say that that was a little controversial in, in, in the scene there in Galatia. <laughs> as the Judaizers are trying to convince the Gentiles to act like Jews. As for all who walk by this rule, faith in Christ, boasting in Christ, taking up our cross, and walking by the Spirit, 
peace and mercy be upon them. Listen, this, this, this word here, this rule, this is, this is the word where we get the word canon from. This, this is the rule. And what is this rule? The good news of Jesus Christ. Who is the word but Jesus himself? At the center of it all. This rule. Those, those who obey him. By the gift of faith, which is a peculiarly receiving kind of work, is it not? God gives us faith to receive. By receiving this and then obeying it. As impossible as it is, but just as good as it is. We receive an experience, and this has been our testimony, peace and mercy. Listen, this morning, listen, you wanted, if you wanted a rule, and I would love someone to tell me what to do, Paul gives you a rule. You can obey it. You can hear the call and the command, the, the invitation To lay down your arms and all your fighting words and all your desires and hopes and dreams, <laughs> all your expectations for what your life should be like and all your disappointments on what your life has been like and might continue to be for you feel like you're in that cycle of feedback loop of doom. You, you can be saved. And in your saving, join all the Israel of God in obeying the one rule that we defend and we fight for and we sing and we teach and preach that motivates and informs us in everything we do. The one thing we try to center upon the gospel. Feel like you haven't been obeying that one? <laughs> Some of you haven't even tried. I didn't. Till one day I surrendered. And said, Lord, I give up. My life is for you. I'll deny myself and join you co-crucifixion and then allow you I might say access to my hopes and heart and emotions that I might walk with you for your glory and not my own A rule, finally, may we obey, obey this gospel. Pray with me. Father, this morning we, 
rest again in your good news. We don't add anything to it. We don't separate anything apart from it. We rejoice in it. We confess it is our only hope. It is the truth. We have nowhere else to go. There are no other lists of rules to live by. Forgive us for all the ways in which we want to boast in ourselves and never take up our cross, but instead walk by our own wishes and dreams. Set us free again this morning. Oh, and I pray. I pray for the one who for the first time is getting it. And sees your gospel for what it is. Jesus and Jesus alone. Lord, I pray you would give them the gift of faith. I pray that they would turn from their sins. I pray that they would cling to you. And I pray that they would experience the new creation. For your glory, for our joy. Father, thank you for your words. Meet us as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen.